Hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. Purveyors of fine fake baseball. I am Lance Mueller, GM of the Chicago Colts, here with the current GM of the St. Louis Dark Reds, Glenn Reed. Say howdy, Glenn. Howdy, Glenn. Howdy, Glenn. Howdy, Glenn. Also with us is reigning UL World Champion GM of the LA Outlaws, Peter Vase. Say hello, Pete. Good evening. It only took about 20 real years and 15 fake years to get. You know, cherish it now, buddy, because it'll go fast. And also with us, our commissioner, Timothy Smith. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. Howdy, Glenn. Howdy, Glenn. Glad to see the podcast back in action. Still lives. We are planning sort of a, uh, what is 1982 season preview? And uh, Commissioner's got some ideas for us. So Commissioner, why don't you give us a lowdown on what we're going to do in this podcast? We're going to do things a little bit differently this time. As everyone knows, we're shifting back to the, the single table format. Top four teams make the playoff. Division winners will be the one, the, the top two seeds, the one, two seeds. Um, so I thought the way we would do this is... Um, Rather than going division by division, we would kind of do it kind of tier by tier, starting kind of at the bottom of the table. Um, we'll talk about um, the teams that we think are are likely to finish kind of in the bottom. Um, so kind of starting at the bottom of the table, then kind of mid-table teams, and then up to the top contenders of who we think are going to be the top teams. So, And then along the way, I thought we would talk about some of the things we usually do, which are things like who had the best draft, who had the best uh, off-season overall, best, maybe best and worst free agent signings and kind of ups and downs, like what teams we think are on the rise, which teams we think are uh, kind of on the decline uh, for this season. We should kick it to Glenn first, since Glenn, you always have the patented uh, ratings, you know, the, the ratings analysis that you do. You, when you did that, how many tiers did it break out to, or like were there net, were there clusters of like really bad teams, really good teams and talk about how it broke out for you in terms of overall overall tiers. Right, hold on, Glenn, before you uh, before you jump in there, your microphone is really poppy. You'll talk and you'll get we'll get a little. Like... I thought it was Willie Randolph doing batting practice. Anyways, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, Glenn. Oh no, unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. Now you're muted. Glenn, we actually do want to hear you. Dude, how about now? I mean, dude, this is like we're on fire, bro. Tim's, yeah, yeah. Tim's yeah, microphone is popping, <laughs> and my microphone is muted. <laughs> yeah, this is great. yeah. It's like it's as if we never quit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're back, dude. There are tiers, so there are tiers. So, so oh, the thing is, there's going to be tiers, all right. <laughs> so, dude, there are tears. There are tears. Just about T E A R S. So, um, so, dude, Washington is like Washington's in a league of one. They're in a tier of one, and then there are actually a bunch of teams that are in the two sixties plus or minus five points of each other. So, you might think Atlanta, St. Louis. Well, that's obvious, but surprisingly, from my point of view, Brooklyn is the next lowest rated team. So. So you have Brook, so Atlanta, St. Louis, Brooklyn, Denver, almost on the same number, and then a little bit higher up, Montreal and Cleveland. So, so I, I do feel like there's Washington, and then there's a step. Yeah. So, so short answer to your question is yes, there are clear tiers, and there's also clear tiers at the top. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think Washington is far and away the worst? Yeah. So I also did tiers, and I, I did, you know, rebuilding tier. I think, in my opinion, there are a couple teams that are definitely still deep in the rebuilding phase. 
you know, Washington and St. Louis were there. And I mean, they have some players, but they're, I think, a couple of years away. And then I had a couple of teams that are like, I don't even understand what the plan is. They seem old, but they also don't seem that good. So I don't know what direction they're going in. And then I had a lot of maybes. There were a lot of teams that seem okay. Like they have some plan. Some of them, a lot of teams seem to be going on this defense kick. I think they're all trying to copy Chicago. So there's a lot of teams that, but I think by Glenn's ratings probably don't look very good, but they have a bunch of defensive studs. And then I had four teams that I think are probably the playoff teams. So those are the tiers I came up with. Yeah, I think I, I'm in pretty close agreement with Glenn. I, I would say, you know, certainly bottom, my bottom tier, I had Atlanta and St. Louis and Cleveland and Washington. Yeah, Washington seems, I don't know. I mean, they seem especially bad, but then when you look at, you know, I mean, you add Tory to that and you, I mean, you get Wade Boggs straight out of the draft and as a 10 contact, I mean, that guy's just going to make a difference. It's, you know, if there's, if there's somebody on base, he has a chance to drive him in. Weirdly, I, based on no particular computation whatsoever, but just by, I don't know, feel or whatever, I honestly think that Cleveland's going to finish below Washington. I don't know why. Dude, that's that's <laughs> fighting words, bro. Wait, am I fighting you or Charlie? It's Charlie. Well, okay, then I I'm mean, not worried then. I can take Charlie. <laughs> okay, no, I, I probably have waited like 20 times. I mean, yeah. I, I, Cleveland was one of the teams I also had ranked sort of low. Like I, I get the whole they love defense thing, but the pitching has gotten worse. So it's like, okay, if you're not going to hit and you're not going to really pitch, I don't know how much defense matters at that point. And I, I actually have Atlanta higher than I think some of you guys did. Again, no, no statistical analysis, but I was like, Mike Scott, Matlack, Soto, Boggs, and Fernando's already rated a 17. Like that's not bad pitching. And the defense is actually pretty good. I don't know if they're going to hit it all, but maybe they win a bunch of three, two games. Like I don't really want to face them particularly. So I think they can win some low scoring boar fests. The game has Washington dead last 21 games worse than any other team. Just to put that perspective, if you look, so you have Washington and then you go up 21 wins and you have St. Louis in 13th, and then you go up 21 wins and you basically, you have a cluster of, you have a cluster of 11 teams. Uh, so that gives you a sense of like, so there's 11 teams all clustered in a 21 win span and then 21 wins behind that is Washington. So the game has that, like not even close that Washington is like, you know, they, they can improve by 15 games. They're still going to finish in last. So why don't we, you know, should we start like talking a little bit about Washington and then, and then maybe we can move on to St. Louis, Cleveland and Atlanta. I mean, I could provide some context on Washington. Like, like how come they are that bad? Like, they signed Tory. They signed Boggs. So that that would seem to be an obvious improvement, right? <laughs> but but his the rest of his lineup is stacked with essentially AAA players. He basically called up all of his prospects, right? For context, his pitching total is the lowest in the league by fifteen or a dozen by a dozen rating points. That's a dozen rating points over seven players. That's like almost two per player. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's horrific. He has the lowest rated SP. He's the lowest rated relievers. And he has the second worst lineup. He has the second worst lineup. So that's where Tory and 
So Torian Boggs, keep him out of the basement, basically. But he does have the lowest total. Like if you add together pitchers and position players, he has the lowest total. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with Iron Mike, essentially, is what I'm saying. And I've just tried to give some context as to why. He's also maxed out his payroll. He has no cap space. He still has an excellent farm. And I think that computer still gives him credit for, even though he's called up his prospects, he still gets credit for some of those guys. So, so he does have good young players and... We'll see if they get that development kick from being in the majors. If so, brilliant. I mean, essentially, he's on a basically suck in 82, suck in 83, you know, take the get the first pick in 82 or 83, essentially draft Daryl Strawberry, let's say, and then in 84, draft Dwight Gooden. And then by then, all of his guys should be good and he'll compete in 84. I think that's what he's doing. And I, I see no reason to believe he will not end up with the number one pick again this year based on the, the one thing I'll add to Washington is Harold Bates in that lineup too. I think he's pretty good. Um, I think they're going to struggle on defense too, though. If UB Brooks at short and really no, no great fielding, Joe Torrey's in that fielding group. I don't know. I mean, most of those guys are very average to below average fielders. So I think that's something he's also going to have to solve. It's not going to be enough to just draft Strawberry. I think his hitting is actually not that bad, especially when some of these guys develop. But the pitching is not there, and the defense is probably below average at this point for for this league. And so, so clearly, like he's not. It's kind of unfair to assess this team on you know just this year because again, clearly of all the rebuilding teams, they're the most re- rebuildingest. I guess. I mean, how do we how do we judge that? Like. Is he doing a good job in terms of the rebuild? How good will this team be in three years? Or is or is he lacking? Were there some missteps made perhaps in the offseason? Well, I think that, you know, I mean, he straight up gave up, you know, gave his rationale for what I would call the worst free agent signing, which was signing Tory for $14 million on a team that is just completely not ever going to compete this season. But, I mean, he gave his rationale, which is that he thinks that having Tory on the team will boost morale and then the players will be more motivated and then the younger players will mature better. So that's, if, you know, what Glenn is saying, which is that basically he's bringing up all his prospects, but he's clearly going down that path of trying to see, well, if I have Tory on my team for this season, will it help somehow these other guys, these young guys, the UB Brooks and the Rich Gedmans and these guys mature. And then if that is like, I don't know that, if anybody in the, in the UL has ever tried, tried to do that, like tried to have players mature by putting them on a major league roster with, you know, arguably the, you know, until C Rob, the greatest player that the UL has ever had. So it's a really interesting plan. It'll be interesting to see after a season, if it actually has any impact on those players. And if it does, then it's a really, it's a really brilliant plan, you know, cause he could do really shitty, but have his players, uh, get better as young players get better and, and like you know glenn said you know draft a strawberry or whoever and then suddenly like you had a team that just felt like a perennial uh, bottom dweller becoming a contender so it's gonna be interesting to see if it works out at all so in, in that sense i feel like i it's kind of like we can't say if he's doing a good job or a bad job I, I think it's a really interesting idea whether it pans out or not i don't i don't know we'll have to see well, 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 I think I think one of the some of the early indications, I think he said like his team chemistry like went up, shot up immediately. 
And uh, I think his fan interest shot up immediately as well. So that was another thing by bringing in Tory, he's trying to drive up the fan interest. So hope, you know, I guess the plan is that that brings in more revenue, kind of offsets the cost of Tory. So, um, but yeah, in, in both senses, I think those are pretty unique plays that he's doing there and, you know, a bit of a gamble, but yeah, it'd be definitely be interesting to see how it turns out. The fan interest was a thing I was going to throw in. I didn't know it had gone up, but I think one of the, the hardest parts about rebuilding is you know all these all these guys become good sort of at the same time, and if your fan interest has been zero forever, it's really hard to resign everyone. So it's not a terrible idea to try to boost the fan interest, even if you don't plan to win a hundred games, just to start setting up for that day when you got to resign a couple of these key players like Baines, Boggs, and whoever, you know, so you're not at a, a super low payroll and can't afford to actually keep the prospects together. So I think he's doing a good job. I think what he's doing is the right thing. And he's also been a, I mean, frankly, a genius at accumulating picks. I don't know how he does it, but like every year he has three first round picks. At some point you think you run out of things to trade. Like I'm out of things to trade, but this guy still has more things. Let's move on to St. Louis. Not a, an episode if I don't say something and then and then immediately contradict it. So I will do that here. When I said that Washington was the most rebuilding us, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say St. Louis now because and solely because of that Tory signing, right? Because a true rebuilding teams don't necessarily go out and sign a 41-year-old dude for $14 million. But so let's talk about St. Louis then, since you've already delved into a bit of your strategy. So Glenn, why don't you get us start on, on the Maroons? Well, I mean, dude, it's no, it's no secret, right? So I, I took over, the finances were horrific. So I spent last year fixing the finances and still this year I have the lowest cap and the lowest payroll by, you know, whatever it is, $10 million. So, so it's going to be another year. Uh, multiple years uh, of still addressing the finances, waiting for Sutton to retire, right? So so that was my primary motivation, at least in year one, um, try to trade and acquire picks. So uh, I did that. But, um, but this year, it was more a matter of, okay, so now I've got some picks, right? <laughs> I better use those to build an actual team and get talent at different positions. So so like, for example, my, my draft strategy, it didn't, I did not maximize available talent, right? So that was like, I, I violated my rule number one, draft the most talented player. I didn't do that. And instead I drafted for specific traits and specific players at, at positions, right? So I tried to get premium position players, um, guys like Tony Phillips, right? He's the best guy for the eye, right? In the game or in the draft. Uh, I took Howard Johnson, premium position, uh, eight power was the second best power in the draft, you know? So I kind of systematically just let's added a player at every premium position. I, I drafted the catcher in the first round, I drafted center fielder in the second round. So, so, uh, so now I guess, right. So, so the deal is last year was about finances. This year is about talent uh, or again, building a coherent team structure. And then we'll see what happens next year. Maybe I can start to make some moves next year, but, but yeah, but it, I mean, it is entirely a, a rebuilding year. I, I do think my team will be better this year because my offense should be significantly better. As I said, I drafted essentially starters at every position. Some of those guys I've already called up. So um, my, my offense will be better. But but a lot of the moves I made involved getting rid of pitchers or trading pitchers to do that. So my rotation is is truly like horrific. Like again, I'm the worst rotation next to Washington. So, so I expect I'll, I'll get knocked around pretty good, but I'll score more. But the net effect is 
I should be in the basement or very close to it. Yeah, just a quick note on on rotation. So I did a couple of um, kind of back of the envelope uh, rankings. And one of the things I did is just add a kind of simplistic, but it's kind of a telling stat also. I just added up the wins from last season for the starting rotation. So most teams are about around 50 wins, which makes, you know, it's about 10 wins per starter. St. Louis, your five, your five, you know, your opening day rotation, your five starters, 14 wins last year. So it's an average of less than three wins. <laughs> Very solid. <laughs> yeah. That might be an all-time low. So that's, uh, it, by the way, Washington is 26. They're the next lowest. Well, one of those wins last year was in the last two weeks, which got me into the playoffs. So they all counted, Glenn. There was a sweep of Chicago, and the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. That that was yeah. that was the little edge I needed. I mean, I put St. Louis in the rebuilding category. I think bottom line is, I, I thought they had the best draft. I know we're going to do something else on the draft, but to me, there isn't that much to say about the majors that you guys haven't said yet. There are some guys in the lineup, but the, this team is about three years from now. It's not 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 today, but Glenn did a great job getting it started. Yeah, as usual, Glenn, Glenn is always – you can clown on Glenn for one thing, which is to figure out a way to rebuild the team and rebuild it well. Yeah, I mean, besides the the, the horrendous rotation, which I think was definitely going to hold this team down, despite, as, as Glenn said, um, definitely an improved offense. Is The defense is not so hot either. You know, there are some guys in positions that uh, – are not going to be helping, you know, I mean, or the league average or, or, you know, maybe a little bit uh, below. I mean, you know, you got, I mean, if Hojo is going to play third, he's pretty bad. Um, you know, he gets, but you know, that's a matter of time. I mean, that's a matter of time and, and experience and also, you know, getting some other guys to play those, play those positions maybe at some point, but defense doesn't look so hot right now either, which also looks like going to definitely, definitely hold, hold this team back. But, you know, Glenn always has a plan and, and uh, usually ends up with, uh, you know, somebody crying and leaving the World Series with a loss. So, you know, just got to give it a little bit of time. We don't know who that might be. But right. No, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. No, they're, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll be cheers. Didn't we say there'll be cheers? Cheers for fears. Yeah. Let's do uh, Cleveland next. So I think, uh, was it Lance? Did you have Cleveland finishing? At the, at the rock bottom, you I did. Yeah. yeah, but I don't. I don't. I'm like again. It's all a feel thing. I don't know why I feel that way about it. I just. I felt. <clears throat> I feel. I think it may be more about Washington improving their offense with Tory and with Boggs and with some other pieces of where I think that they may just do well enough to get more wins, even though the predictor has has Boston with about 20 more victories than Washington. But I've never put much faith in the game's Iron Mike's predictions. So. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, you get past the top of the rotation and and it doesn't look that great. You get the lineup is okay, but I mean, you're sort of, I don't know, you're relying on, I guess, Parker and Parrish to do a lot of your heavy lifting. I don't know. I just feel like this team is not going to gel very well. And uh, I feel like that's going to give 
Washington an opportunity to squeak out, like not being in the bottom. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a very big difference, but I think it's, I, I just feel like for, for whatever reason, again, this is no computation. I didn't add any numbers together. I don't have any, any, anything like that going on. I'm going just mainly at looking at the team and looking at what other, the teams around them have done. And I just, I don't know this team doesn't feel very improved and, and maybe even uh, um, step back a little bit. So yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Charlie. I think this is one of those teams I had as a trying to copy the Chicago model, right? They put defense on the field. They got a bunch of contact hitters with speed. Problem is they don't have singer. They don't have wit. So, you know, while the Chicago model can make some mediocre pitchers look good, you've got to have a couple of studs that are just going to win 15 to 20 games, whether the hitting is on and the hit and run thing is working or not working. And I don't, I don't think he's got that. So I, I don't think he wins those games where the hit and run is not working. I also don't understand the fascination with Dave Collins. This guy could hardly grab any at-bats when he was in LA. And everyone now loves him. I know he worked out in Chicago. I just, I'm not a huge Dave Collins fan. And once again, he's hitting number two for a team that's trying to compete. Oh, Phil Collins. How do you feel about Phil Collins? He could probably out-hit Dave Collins. Yeah, oh, that's I mean... harsh. That's harsh, bro. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, on face value, I'd say he's uh he's pretty good, Phil Collins. Jack required. I mean, so Cleveland's rotation is poor. So so I mean, if you think about like really the thing about this game that kind of sucks is you only get one chance, right? Like there's only one run through the '81 season. So in the '81 season, he had the most injuries. I mean, you think Chicago season was ruined by injuries? Cleveland season was ruined by injuries, right? So he had this horrific stretch of injuries that like knocked out his entire starting rotation, essentially. And then the one guy he had that was healthy was Goose. And Goose had the worst season of his career. And incredibly, Matlack. Matlack stayed more or less healthy all season. But now Matlack's gone. Goose is now the closer. He's not in the starting rotation. And he had Carew, who's gone. So, so part of me, my initial take was, oh, this is a big comeback year for Cleveland because you can't possibly have that many injuries again. Like it can't just can't happen. Like there's no way, but you realize this really isn't the same team as last year, right? He doesn't have Matlock. He doesn't have Carew and maybe goose is the closer is better than having them get, you know, blown out and you know, whatever 15 or 17 or how many ever losses as a starter, but 19, 19 losses, 19, dude, that is that's just, I mean, so that, yeah. So to me, it's like, I, again, I just think that's what his horrible luck. He had a very good team last year in my estimation, and it just, it fell apart like spectacularly. And you just can't, you can't get that back. You know, he's never going to get that season back. And now his team is worse, manifestly worse by ratings count, by, you know, offense. Like you said, the pitching staff isn't as good. Any team is going to suffer if you take Matlock and Goose out. Right. So so I don't know. I mean, I hope he does well. I, I feel like, you know, he's due a recovery from his injury issues, but, but it is a less talented team minus, you know, Matt Lincoln Carew. So um, one thing I wrote in the, uh, that you'll see in the preview issue about Cleveland is I wrote, they're in the awkward position of being near the bottom of both the standings and farm system rankings. Right. So I think they're the only team that's kind of in the bottom five of both um basically current and future ranking, right? If you consider current rankings, like their standings. 
And I credit that to what I call an oscillation between trying to make the playoff runs and rebuilding. It seems like he's kind of in this no man's land of, am I competitive? Am I rebuilding? And, um, you know, last year he had, I think one year he had Iron Mike basically picked him to finish in the top three or something like that. So he made it, he ran with that, made some, made some moves to try to win now, but still ended up kind of in the, in the lower division. So, um, and on top of that, he's traded away all his draft picks, right? I don't think he has any draft picks next year. So he's in a really, he's really hard. He's in a, he's in a hard spot of like, you know, one of the keys to success in this league is like creating value, right? Generating value. So one example of that is like sign it, sign a guy in free agency and then turn him around and trade him for a couple draft picks or something like that. Or sign a guy that you don't need, but you know, that is that player's scarce at that position or whatever. And then you trade him for something else. And you're always generating value for your team along the way. And I think Glenn just hit on something that was kind of like the opposite. Like he lost Matlack and Carew. Was Carew a trade or was that just a pure free agent? I, I can't remember. Carew was a trade, yeah. Okay, Carew is a trade. Matlack, he just lost a free agency, right? So that's a perfect example of dude is a, he was an ERA champion and he basically walks and poof, it's gone. Like all that value is lost. So that's, you know, that's a situation where he could have, you know, transition that into some value, whether it's more prospects or picks or, or something. So I have Cleveland in the rebuilding category. I think I have them in the bottom tier. Um, but the problem is if he, if he, if they don't start actually rebuilding, you know, like, like selling off pieces and reacquiring draft picks, I feel like they're just going to, they're just kind of like rudderless kind of just bobbing in the, in the sea. I, I agree. I mean, he's got a couple of great pieces. So if he wants to do a full rebuild, I think he can get draft picks. If he wants to try to make continue to run with this team, it's almost like sell anybody over, I don't know, 26 and try to get worse and in two years get picks again. But the guys that are like 26 to 28 won't see the rebuild. So those guys I'm not sure are worth hanging on to. Should we do Atlanta next? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lance, why don't you start? No, go to somebody else. I'm not ready. All right. Glenn, what do you got on Atlanta? Well, so I've said this many times. I think this dude is, he's doing it right. It's interesting. So remember now I I managed Atlanta, like whatever, you know, 10 or maybe 20 years ago in real life. But, but again, like I managed Atlanta and, and because Atlanta is the most extreme hitters park, or at least in power terms, even it's even more extreme than Denver. I, I went for pure power. He is doing the opposite. He is like, it, it's, it's spectacularly different what he's doing. He is going for pitching first defense and his power is like, you know, virtually non-existent. So, so, so he's got, he's gone for pitching and I, I love what he's done. I mean, again, if you just look at his rotation, Scott Soto, Bob, actually <laughs> Scott, all these guys, Matt, like Soto Boggs, those are actually former uh, Cleveland Cleveland Barons, but, but yeah, but add Mike Scott. I mean, so Fernando Valenzuela, right. I mean, so how is like one of the best closers in the league. So I, I love what the guy has done, frankly. Um, he has the number two farm. He has the youngest team. So he's the youngest team in the league. He has number two farm in the league. You know, his finances are decent and he's making real progress. So I think he's going to be a real, you know, going concern and, you know, two years. 
and he benefited from my so on the one hand he complained like oh well i swooped his guys in front of him but he kind of benefited from my from me zigging and he got to zag so he ended up with tony Gwynn, right he ended up with guys that were really very talented maybe they weren't the exact guys he wanted but i feel like um again i think he's done really really good job with respect to drafting and building a team I didn't actually have him in the rebuilding. I had him in my maybe pile. I'm not so sure he's that far. Like, you know, you take Mike Scott is pretty much developed. Soto is as good as he's going to get. And he's not, not bad. Boggs is not bad. Fernando like is startable. And if he gets one upgrade, he's good. You know, and then he's got a, he's got great defense already. Tony Gwynn is not far away. Like he's already six contact. Right. And, and, his eye is fully developed. His power is almost fully developed. So he's not far. You know, Bobby Ojeda is not that far. And then he's got Cecilio Guante, who's fully developed, and how closing. Like, I, I'm not sure he can't, you know, if all the starting pitchers kind of fire on all cylinders all at once, maybe he's like a top-tier pitching team with defense that ends up just sneaking in there. I, I mean, it's an it's an outside chance, but I, I think he's pa- he's almost past rebuilding. Like, do I don't you, think you can count on a top four pick next year. Do you think he? Do you think Atlanta makes a playoff run this year? I think he could. I mean, it's going to depend a lot on Fernando and Scott. Like, you know, if they're more like this year's Mike Witt, where they're not fully developed, but they're going to be really good, so they just start pitching really good out of nowhere. Why not? Like, I I wouldn't mind having Fernando Scott. Boggs, Soto, uh, how is my closer and uh, the other guy he drafted who's basically a closer, top-tier closer, and then defense. He doesn't have a ton of offense yet, but, I mean, that model has seemed to work for other teams, so why not? You could also finish with 70, you know, 70 wins instead of 90 wins. It, it's going to depend on those starters. Yeah, I think that I – don't, I don't think that they're there yet. I mean, it's it, – I don't know. It's also one of those teams when you – you look at it and it seems there's definitely an improvement. I mean, the pitching staff is, is definitely improving and has improved. I mean, you add Matt Lack and it's hard not to be a better pitching staff and you look at the lineup and it seems decent, but then you actually start to delve into some of those guys and you, it feels like the, the parts don't add up to as much of what the whole looks like. And I don't think there's enough offense there. I mean, if you're relying on Dave Henderson to be your number four hitter, um, in, in you know, in theory, then that guy is your most powerful hitter on your team. Then that doesn't say much about the seven guys that are around him in the lineup. It's a, it's a capable looking offensive lineup, but I, I would put it where we're putting it, which is towards the bottom of the league as far as the runs I think they're going to produce offensively. Uh, they may win some more games because they have a better pitching staff now, but I still don't see them as being more than bottom four or five team right now. But as as everyone has mentioned, I do think he's doing a terrific job of pointing them in the right direction. And that right direction will probably, hopefully for them, come to fruition in two, three more seasons maybe. Yeah, I'll just I just hop in here. I I, I think they Atlanta will develop. They're they're going to be competitive uh, earlier than St. Louis and Washington. I do think they're a lot closer. I will point out one another one of the back of the envelope things I did was kind of look at the the positional rankings of uh, that the game produces, and I counted like 
you know, how many top five players you have. Atlanta is literally the only team that has of the eight positions. They have zero players in the top five currently, but I think that just speaks to their, um, you know, how much they're invested in kind of youth and how much they're focused on, on, on the future. But um, I agree. They've made a lot of great moves going back the last couple seasons by far the best pitching pipeline in the in the minors. Uh, if you count Scott, Scott Valenzuela and Ojeda, all three of those guys could be elite starters by next year. All three of them should be in that rotation. I can tell you that they are the lowest to your point about lowest positional ranking mm-hmm. by ratings count. They have the lowest lineup, lowest rated lineup mm-hmm. and the worst OBP by a wide margin. So mm-hmm. that, does not argue well for scoring, but again, he plays an extreme offense park. So I think what he's trying to do is kind of like is cheat a little bit, right? Like if he puts all of his effort into pitching, then he can counteract what you do. But even though he has a not very good offense, he'll still be able to score a bit because of a, because of his park, you know, I said anyone else. So are there, before we move on, like, are there any pure rebuilding teams that we haven't covered yet? We're kind of moving on to the, when I initially laid out this, I was thinking three tiers, right? Like I was thinking like no hopers, kind of like mid, mid-level mid guys and then the pure contenders. But the more I think about it, there's more like four tiers because there's pure rebuilding teams. And then there's, I think there's that third tier out of four, which are teams that aren't, maybe they're not really rebuilding, but they also, they don't really, maybe that's where we're moving to now, that third third quarter of teams that technically aren't really rebuilding, but they seem to be on the decline or they're not going to compete this year. Um, like Pete, I think you had a couple teams in that. Yeah. I had a category of like, not sure where they're going. Cause I don't think they're going up mm-hmm. unless they make some great trades and I think they're headed down because they're either aging or just don't have enough going for them. They, so they seem to be heading for that 75 to 80 win category. So which teams do you have in that, in, in that, in that group i i have brooklyn san fran yep. and glenn's gonna kill me but boston i with them i just don't know what the plan is i'm i think they can win 85 games i just don't know if they can win more and i don't know what's coming that would put them over that where i do see them starting to head in the opposite direction some guys are aging some guys are declining it's getting iffy there all right lance what about you did you what was in kind of in your next uh the next up from the teams we've already discussed well on 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 the on the sort of uh, group that we were sort of creating there this sort of uh maybe rebuilding i mean i think i have i feel like we got to throw manhattan into that now i mean he definitely shed a lot of talent and seems to be setting himself up to try and you know I mean, maybe try and compete and also rebuild while competing, but it does feel a little bit like a rebuild. Um, I mean, I, to the point that I have them, you know, finishing, uh, what would that be, fifth in the East this year. So um, I definitely feel like they're in that group as well. I agree that I feel like San Francisco, I don't know. I don't know that I would call it a rebuild. I think it's just a, it's like a no build. It's just like, he, you know, Jeff just never seems to change anything. I mean, the fact that he signed Rennie Stanette was like, you know, there should have been a ticker tape parade in San Francisco at that point. Um, but I don't think that that does a heck of a lot to necessarily make that team any better. Um, so, yeah, I feel like those are definitely a couple of teams that are kind of in that strata of like 
if they're not rebuilding, they should probably be thinking about rebuilding. Any other yeah, anybody? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I have Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn is clearly, I mean, <clears throat> I'm right there. That's with what Peter. I have too. Yep, I've got him. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn is like category. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn is the fourth by ratings. They're fourth from the bottom. So, because I mean, you, you look at just, I mean, he's lost Freddie Lynn. He traded away Cusick last year. So that's like two pure studs at premium positions. I mean, you can't, you can't lose those guys. You can't lose studs at premium positions and not, and not have an effect. He lost um, Keith Hernandez, even though Hernandez wasn't a premium position masher, you know, seven, you know, whatever, seven, three, five or seven, three, six is better than Garvey six, four, five or whatever he is. So, so yeah, I mean, to me, Brooklyn is clearly, um, yeah, they're clearly on the descent here. So he did pick up a couple of pitchers, um, Jim Rooker and Jim Clancy. Uh, yeah. It looks like they're replacing Ryan and Solomon. So I don't know. Yep. Ryan is, is a, a good innings eater. Um, Solomon, I think, I think you got him right. Didn't he go to end up in St. Louis? So, yep, that's right. so, yep. so it looks like, you know, he's made some rooms. Tom, Tommy Herr is going to debut this year at second base. So by the way, Brooklyn is the only team, the only three teams have had six straight winning seasons, uh, Manhattan, LA, and Brooklyn is the third, but they're always like fifth overall, right? They're always just on the fringe of playoffs. Um, they, you know, they, they have made the playoffs a couple of times, but um, last year again, 80 wins, 80 and 72. Game actually predicts them to come in fifth this year. So, but yeah, I have them in that same category of like they're, I don't, I don't know that they, they, they don't need a, a big rebuild. I think they're, I think Brooklyn is better off right now than San Francisco is. I feel like San Francisco is, we always say this every year that San Francisco keeps getting older, keeps getting older. And I think, you know, San Francisco, obviously, San Francisco is also the team that wins every every even year. They have a winning season, right? Make the playoffs. I think that streak ends this year. I don't see San Francisco anywhere near the playoff race. Whereas I think Brooklyn might still, it's not, Brooklyn's not a horrible team. It's got some Good pieces there. Schmidt and, and Ken Landro, uh, probably the best players. He's got Chet Lemon, always has great defense. You know, they're definitely, I wouldn't put them as a top contender, but I think I have them kind of in more of the middle tier. I think Brooklyn could do a quick turnaround. You know, they've got in the minors, they have Bruce Hurst and they've got Britt Burns. Those two guys are both good. You know, they may be a year or two away, but those guys are good. Yeah, you've got, I think they're both 21 rated with stamina. I'll take those two guys any day. So, yeah. I mean, if they can, you know, flip a little bit of the lineup just to get a little bit of youth in there to help out Ken, um, maybe get one more pitcher. They've got a decent pen. Like, I don't think they're far, but they've got to make some moves. I think if they keep it to what they have now, a couple of these guys age out. And when Hurst and Burns come up, they're back to, you know, 85 wins. He's got Tom Niedenfuhr, uh in his system also. I think he was a uh, first-round pick. He might have been the first reliever in last year's draft, so that's another guy coming up. And then he's also in his system, he's got kind of a no-name guy, center fielder Rick Peters, another high pick, but, you know, that guy gets a rating bump and that he could come end up in the starting rotation, or sorry, the starting lineup. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about San Francisco next, because I think we all have San Francisco in kind of that third quarter. Glenn, you want to kick us off with the Spiders? One more thing about Brooklyn. 
guy I try to trade for a number of times at this point, I don't think gets enough credit. Scott Sanderson has the same freaking ratings as Fernando yeah. Valenzuela and fully yeah. developed. Yeah. And we never talk about this dude. Yeah. You know, you add that guy to Burns and Hurst, you get something in the offense. This, I, I really think this, this team isn't that far away, but he's got to do it now before like some of the offense gets old and then all he's got is pitching and nothing to back it up. But Scott Sanderson is a guy we never, ever talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I can support that. So his top three starters are comparable to Detroit and Boston. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's the high rent district, right? The rest of the team isn't very good ratings wise, but but his rotation is good. And of course he has San Vito to close. So yeah, it wouldn't actually be surprising if he did well this season or did decent this season, or as you said, took one season to, to make the quick turn because he has a very strong, um, you know, pitching setup now with more arms coming. So, so that top three, just uh, for our listeners is uh, Tom Seaver, Rick Roden yep. and Scott Sanderson and Sanderson. Yeah. So yeah, let's do San Francisco next. Um, so. Well, dude. Okay. So I'll tell you, I mean, so look, it is an even year. So, so he's due, right? <laughs> so, so the thing is, we've been saying every year, it's like every year we say, oh, LA's the highest rated team. Maybe he'll win this year. You know, eventually he did, right? Every year we say Fergie's a thousand years old and he's going to, his team's going to collapse, right? Maybe this will be the year he does. But again, it's, it's hard to say because he's nowhere near the bottom, nowhere near the bottom in ratings terms. I frankly believe Stinnett was the best position player signing from free agency, right? I mean, you know, Tory's the best player, but if you can get Stinnett for three million for three years, that's a steal in my mind. So, so he has an excellent second base, excellent. So his premium positions are good, other than his shortstop. His catcher is actually quite good. Foster, Gold Glove with power, center fielder. That's a you know, supremely valuable position or, or player. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's good again. He still has the best bullpen, or at least the back two, right? Again, always you know, he has Terry Forster's the best the best closer, Lucas, arguably the best setup guy and his starters are good. So yeah, I I don't have him anywhere near the bottom in ratings terms, but, but his team is old, right? So that is where, you know, injuries or or downgrades and his season could just be wiped out and, and, you know, one Fergie Jenkins injury essentially. Right. But um, yeah, but I don't, so, so I agree with what you're saying. He needs to, he needs to maybe make some decisions and do things, but, but I don't think it's wrong to sign Stanette, sign Stanette, try to compete, right? Again, it's, a, it's an even year, just like try and keep that mojo going. And if it doesn't work, well, he could trade away Stanette and Evans and these guys for, for, for picks because they're on good contracts. So, you know, we'll see, but, but I don't, he's definitely not the worst team. I mean, he's, he's like middle of the pack ratings wise. So I'll just jump in here. I think, uh, so Lance already mentioned like, like Jeff's definitely a, kind of a stand pat kind of manager, just draft your guys. I, I think San Francisco's one of the f- only teams that consistently has all of its picks in the, in the draft and no one else's picks, right? He doesn't trade draft picks. He doesn't trade much at all, but, to, but to his credit, I think this off season, if, if you're going to do minim, minimal moves, like the way he does, I think he, like he jettisoned Julio Cruz last year. He, he identified the biggest weakness on his team. 
and he addressed it with Stanette and that's the one movie makes and you know what's the rule like do no harm so it, you know if, you, if you're only going to make one move I think that was that was a, a solid move but but yeah eventually the age is going to catch up with you and I where does this team rank in terms of uh, farm system I haven't he's a 10th by farm Ooh, and he's the okay. third oldest so he's the third oldest team and 10th and and, by and not much farm. not much coming in yeah so he's only got ooh, look at this he's got he only has one of the top 62 prospects and that's uh brett butler you know what he might san francisco is the more i look at them they seem like they're a lot like cleveland they're kind of kind of an older version of cleveland well he's got don maddenly yeah oh, that's right i'm that's surprised right. he doesn't show up in the top but you know, what, actually, like, Jeff is the one who figured that out. It was what we put, we dropped those players into the double A before those oh, rankings were got produced. It. So next year, got we know, it. next year, we know we're not going to drop those guys into double A until opening day. And that way, yeah, because clearly Mattingly should be top five. Yeah. And I don't have San Fran finishing low. I just have them with no plan. I think they're really where in this space where they've got enough talent that if they really want to rebuild and just say, we're going to wait for Mattingly, start trading for picks because they've got guys that people would want, or you do what Manhattan did for, it seems like a decade, just trade your picks and go keep upgrading the, the major league team and win. But you got to go one direction or the other. 85 to 90 win place is the worst place to be. It's tough. Like I spent, I think, most of my career there where you don't get high draft picks, but you also don't get to go to the playoffs. You just get to say my team was good, but that's the only prize you get out of it. So you've got to pick. Yeah, I just want to clarify that. I, I, I didn't think necessarily signing Sinet, you know, was a bad thing per se, um, but I also don't think it was a thing that's going to make a difference in the team being necessarily competitive, being a top tier team. I like... I wonder if he had spent that money on, um, let's say, like Bill Parsons and said, like, would we feel like they'd be more competitive because of the pitching staff, you know, barring again an injury to, to uh, an important pitcher, I feel like the starting rotation would seem like it could compete with anybody in the league. And, and we all know how much I love pitching. So I just was just questioning whether or not spending that money on Stinnett was necessarily going to make a difference in the team really being able to be competitive. Okay, that wraps up part one of our 1982 season preview. Be sure to check out the second half of our preview in the next podcast, and we'll see you next time. Show me, don't like it.